0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mind Body Green's beauty podcast, Clean Beauty School. I am your host and Mind Body Green's beauty director, Alexandra Ingler. On this podcast, we explore beauty through the lens of well being. And on today's podcast, we are talking about laser hair removal. This is something that I get questions about, and we've talked a little bit about on this podcast before, but we certainly have not done a full episode on it. So I am so excited to learn more. And to do so, I am having on a very special guest, Christian Karavalas. He is an expert in all things laser hair removal. So I could not have asked for a better person to have on to discuss this. Welcome.
1: Welcome, Alexandra. How are you today?
0: I'm doing well. I am so excited to learn more about laser hair removal. So without further ado, let's get into it. I I always like to start these episodes by allowing the guest to kind of introduce themselves and their story and let us, you know, learn a little bit more about you. You know, how did you get into this space? What was your journey into the beauty industry and laser hair removal?
1: My journey into the beauty industry was really by accident. Um, I have a background in investment and finance. But in the late 90s, a friend of mine got involved in laser hair removal He wanted me to get into it as well. At first I was skeptical, but I went and I trained with him. I really liked the business. I really enjoyed interacting with people. And in 2002, I opened Romeo and Juliet laser hair removal. So it's been 20 years in business. We quickly became very good at what we do to the point that we started helping laser companies develop lasers for all skin tones and complexions. I became a consultant to large laser companies and after 20 years, here we are.
0: So I, I'm so fascinated that you have a background in uh, finance before getting into this. What was the transition into the beauty space like? Was it, was it jarring? Was it, you know, I mean, it, cause that it seems like a pretty big transition.
1: It was, but I'm a people person. And uh, when I got into it, I really liked interacting with people. Um, I had experienced laser hair removal on my neck and I'd seen that it worked really well. So getting into it and helping people get rid of their hair uh, became a passion for me. And that's why I decided to go into the business. And that's why I started Romeo and Juliet laser hair. Removal.
0: Let's talk basics. I, th- I know this seems like a very very basic question however it i think i need to ask it to at least just get the you know the foundation laid what is laser hair removal and you know like what are the mechanisms behind how it works
1: so laser hair removal is light that travels through the hair shaft and disables the reproductive cycle of the hair within the follicle basically light turns into heat heats up the follicle without damaging the skin. The light targets the pigment and the melanin in the hair. And once the follicle gets disabled, it eventually doesn't grow hair anymore.
0: When this happens, what sort of, I mean, what sort of laser are you using? You know, what, what, what are the mechanisms behind there? Cause you know, you've talked about how you've developed lasers. I mean, are there different types of lasers that you're using?
1: Yes, there are many types of lasers, but the most important ones are lasers for light skin as well as lasers for dark skin. So the lasers for light skin are called alexandrite lasers, and the lasers for dark skin are called NDIAG lasers. The alexandrite laser has a short pulse. It's very potent on the skin, but it's very potent on getting rid of hair. whereas the Nd:YAG laser is a long pulse wavelength. And that is very good for dark skin, for people of color, because it bypasses the epidermis, doesn't damage the skin, but gets rid of the hair. So these are the two types of lasers that we use. Alexandrite for light skin and Diag for dark skin.
0: Now explain to me why there needs to be two different types of lasers for different skin tones.
1: Because um, if, Lasers attracted to pigment and melanin. So if somebody has dark skin and you laser that area with a laser that works on light skin with a laser that targets the epidermis, you're going to have surface scabbing, possible burns and possible pigmentation. So you have to use a laser that bypasses the top layer of the skin, uh, damages the hair without damaging the skin. That's why we do need lasers that work for dark skin, i.e. NDAG lasers.
0: Now, what is the process of going through this? I mean, I, my understanding is that it takes multiple sessions. So, you know, say somebody decides they want to go down this route, you know, what, what should they be prepared for?
1: Uh, depending on the area that they're looking to do. Let's say they are going to do their underarms or their bikini. We suggest that they shave a day or two before, come into the facility for a consultation. Once they do the consultation, we look at them, we ask them health questions. Uh, Questions would be such as uh, the do's and don'ts, meaning are they on any antibiotics? If they are on antibiotics, we ask them not to be on antibiotics for about a week.
0: Interesting, can I ask why that is?
1: Because any medicine that creates sensitivity to light would create also sensitivity to laser. We ask them what their tanning situation is like. We're not too concerned about the underarms, but if we're treating the face, we would like to know whether they use sunscreen, whether there are any antibiotics, whether they are using any products such as retinol that may create sensitivity, whether they are using Accutane, which is against acne. So these questions play a role into how we treat them and when we treat them. However, let's say that their regimen is fine and it's acceptable. Then uh, we treat the underarms, for example. Uh, We would wipe the area, clean the area of any deodorant or any uh, impurities, and then the laser treatment would be approximately five minutes for both underarms. And uh, after that, they may see a little bit of redness. Redness goes away in about 10 to 20 minutes and off they go. We would see them every six weeks. You are correct. It is something that takes a few sessions. So we recommend depending on what body part it is, usually uh, lower legs, bikini and underarms, we would recommend six sessions spaced six to eight weeks apart.
0: The way you're describing it, it, um, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of downtime involved in this. Is that an accurate assessment?
1: Correct. There is hardly any downtime involved Uh, the redness looks like you were bitten by a couple of mosquitoes perhaps mean mosquitoes and uh, again that redness goes away in 10 to 20 minutes usually we may use a soothing cream uh, vitamin e vitamin k or any type of uh, or perhaps over-the-counter hydrocortisone to soothe the area and um, that's it they can do their normal activity If they're treating large body parts such as legs or back or chest, we ask them not to exercise for about uh, usually 24 hours, but definitely not the night off because if they're sweating, that excess sweat may make that redness uh, more uh, prevalent.
0: The question that most often gets asked is what is the pain level for this? I am sure it's different for everybody and it's probably. Very depends on what area you get but you know what sort of feedback do you get from from folks about how painful this is
1: well uh it's a good question when we started lasers were a little more painful however uh with the advent of new lasers new technology um the feeling is really like a very mild uh somebody taking a rubber band and zapping you however while we zap you we are either blowing cold air to bring the skin down to minus four degrees centigrade, or we are uh, spewing a spritz of water, a a spritz of mist to cool the area. So the feeling is quite manageable. And for example, if you're doing your your upper lip, we're talking perhaps seven or eight zaps. So less than a minute, uh, just a little bit of a tingling sensation and we're done.
0: When you you say that you either spritz it or you, know, you uh, blast with cold air, is that to help with pain management or is there a reason why you are immediately cooling the area?
1: Well, to help for both reasons, to help with pain management and also to cool the area to alleviate the redness.
0: Let's talk about the various areas you can get it. Um, I mean, can you theoretically just get this wherever you have unwanted hair growing?
1: Yes, we try to stay uh, not too close to the eyes um, because light does scatter, Uh, but we can treat basically any area whether it's upper lip, chin, sideburns, forehead, uh, even the scalp um, of the head, uh, bikini, uh, buttocks, uh, legs, feet, underarms, arms. So basically any part of the body that has hair is treatable.
0: Okay. What are the most common areas that people come in to get, would you say?
1: Uh, females, we the, I would say the number one area is bikini, mostly a full bikini, Brazilian. Then comes underarms. Then comes lower legs. Face is very popular. Then comes arms full legs, but I would say bikini underarms are the most popular areas for female. For male, it would be back, chest, bikini, and buttocks. Those seem to be the most popular areas. And obviously sculpting the face as well.
0: Sure. Now, my understanding is that certain areas can be harder to, to treat than others. Um, is this true? I mean, are there areas that require more, more sessions or more intensive sessions?
1: The question would be twofold. Harder could also mean, for example, if we're treating somebody's bikini, the labia area, the labia area, we have to be careful how we treat it because there might be some residual hair but we want to make sure that we treat the labia in a way that we can get rid of the hair without without, um, creating some uh, excessive redness. So the labia usually is a hard area to treat. Uh, Regarding getting rid of hair, regarding of permanence, hormonal areas usually require more sessions. What are hormonal areas? Hormonal areas would be face, meaning chin, upper lip, sideburns, uh, perhaps uh, the abdomen area, perhaps upper arms. Those usually may require more than six sessions. They may require between eight to 12 sessions, but it varies by the individual, varies by age, varies by whether the person has any hormonal imbalance, such as PCOS. A client who has PCOS perhaps needs more sessions, uh, whether they're on medication or not, whether they are taking something that suppresses their hormones. So there are a lot of variables that play into how many sessions are needed.
0: Let's talk about who might be an ideal candidate for something like this. Um, You know, I, I think probably most folks have at least some area on their body where they have hair that they would like to get rid of. I think that's a very common experience for a lot of people. You know, whether that's face, whether that's armpits, wherever. So, you know what what would be a candidate that would be, you know, uh, ready to go down this route. You know what what is that sort of person? Um, uh, you know who is that sort of person?
1: Well, we have many types of persons who would benefit. The one that comes to my mind immediately would be somebody of darker skin complexion who has ingrowns or razor bumps, somebody who's skin type five or six, meaning African-American or dark African-American who have ingrowns and they cannot get rid of the ingrowns because once they do, um, it creates pigmentation, it creates scarring. Laser, can remove the ingrown hair delicately without hurting the skin. And uh, eventually, as the hair disappears, the scarring dissipates, the skin comes back to its natural condition. So somebody like that would benefit extremely. Secondly, we do have a lot of clients who have issues with their bikini. When they shave, they get razor bumps, ingrowns. The same applies to their legs or their underarms. So somebody like that would benefit enormously. Athletes, uh, male athletes, female athletes, but male athletes who compete, uh, hair bothers them, creates acne, uh, excessive sweating. So somebody like that would benefit immensely from hair removal. Having said that, who is the ideal candidate? The ideal candidate is somebody who has we are not too concerned about the skin tone because, with the advent of new lasers, as I mentioned earlier, lasers for dark skin or light skin, we can treat all skin tones and complexions. What we cannot treat effectively is hair that has not too much pigment, meaning laser targets melanin pigment. So, hair that is white, hair that is red, hair that is light blonde will not. See optimal results. However, there are lasers in development that work on darker blonde hair and less pigmented hair by targeting the hair in a different way and removing hair. And we've been successful in removing certain less pigmented hair. But in general, the more the pigment, the better the results.
0: Got it. Is there anything that folks can do, you know, either in preparation for this or in post care that can help optimize the results, you know, and and ensure like a little bit more permanence? I mean, is there anything there?
1: Well, uh, the persons, if we look at a male, for example, uh, some of our clients might be on medicines that stimulate hair growth. So if somebody takes Rogaine because they're losing hair, that means they're going to grow hair uh, perhaps on their head, but definitely on most parts of their body. So uh, they would be working against laser hair removal. So we suggest that they stop using it. Or if they're using Rogaine or any medicine that stimulates hair growth, we tell them that they will need more sessions to remove hair from their body. So that is very important that they don't take medicines that stimulate hair growth. There are certain vitamins that may do that as well. Perhaps biotin is something also that we've found increases uh, or or stimulates hair growth. Um, Certain hormones may stimulate hair growth. So we ask them to have a healthy diet uh, for males. Again, if they're on any protein shakes, uh, that may stimulate hair growth. So they really have to follow healthy diet, um, and leave the rest to us.
0: Sure. What, what is the healthy diet component? I'm curious.
1: The healthy diet again would be a diet that doesn't have too many carbohydrates, I would suggest. So carbohydrates is the issue mostly with hair and again, taking any supplements that stimulate hair growth. I would try to avoid those or be ready to have more sessions and spend more money.
0: Yeah, I know. We're always trying to grow hair in certain places and remove it in other. <laughs> it's, it's a delicate balance. Okay, so... I wanna talk about, um, you know, you have described the lasers that you use um, for various skin tones. And you have even mentioned, you know, lasers have come a long way, or, you know, there've been advancements in lasers. So they they can work for more skin tones, um, they're less painful, and there's even new lasers in the works that, you know, can even, you know, help other folks with different um, hair color. Um, so you know I'm curious just about you know the advancements in lasers like what's on the horizon you you have teased to this idea that there there could be lasers that help people with you know dark blonde hair but you know are is there anything else that excites you about this space you know what what sort of advancements are you seeing
1: Well the advancements right now we are at I would say at the most advanced stage uh, right now and we do have the most advanced lasers that are out uh, worldwide. We have lasers from many different manufacturers. And when something comes out that I know works, we would put it in our facility. Um, The lasers basically are becoming faster and less painful. When I started laser hair removal, uh, we would do a full leg treatment in about an hour and a half, an hour 45. Now a full leg treatment can be as little as 15 minutes to 20 minutes. So the advancements uh, on the speed and again, on the pain mechanism with the various cooling mechanisms that we have, um, basically we've come a long way. So we've made it as comfortable as possible. Uh, There are, as I mentioned to you, there will be lasers that May work better on less pigmented hair, but uh, that is probably a year to two two years away. We are still waiting on those, and we're still working on those.
0: Interesting. Um, I want to give people advice about how they can find a a practice a practitioner that they can trust. Um, you know obviously you have a, a practice that is very well known to be the best of the best, right? Um, but for folks who maybe don't have access to to, you know, your studios. Is there anything that you tell folks to to look out for in terms of like, you know, this is a green flag, this is somebody that you can trust versus this is a red flag, maybe proceed with caution or try to find somebody else. You know, how do you help people navigate finding somebody um, to to entrust, uh, you know, with their laser hair removal journey?
1: Great question. I would basically, when I'm looking for a laser hair removal facility, I would check to see, first of all, how many lasers do they have? What lasers do they use? I would check the lasers to see if they are good lasers or not. Um, secondly, I would check for, to see how many years they are in business. The most important question I would ask is do they treat all skin tones and complexions? Do they have experience with skin of color? If they do, Uh, that would be good perhaps on their website they may have some before and after pictures of their own experience so they may have uh, some of their clients some of their patients that they treated with before and afters Uh, they may go to google read some reviews see what people say although those reviews may not be reliable and they may be from a competitor or anybody else it still helps in developing a certain idea about the business. Ask your friends, ask for referrals. Most of the time when you have a conversation, you may find that your girlfriend or your friend or your significant other has been doing laser somewhere. What what is their experience? So that would help. I would ask around as well.
0: I see that you are the vice president of the Society of Clinical and Medical Hair Removal um, and that this deals with legislative aspects with Laser hair removal, and I have to admit, I, I'm not sure if I if I knew that this, uh, you know, that there was legislative dealings involved with hair removal, or even you know, regulation in some respect. So, what what is that component? I mean, how are these regulated? I'm sure it's state by state. I mean, is that accurate?
1: You are correct. It's state by state, and each state has its own rules and regulations. Um, in New York laser hair removal is not the practice of medicine. In some other states, it is the practice of medicine and it can only be done by a physician or a nurse practitioner. In New York State, laser hair removal is uh, handled by the Department of State Division of Licensing under uh, Appearance Enhancement because it's not a medical procedure. And in New York State, Most businesses do use licensed estheticians to perform laser hair removal. There is legislation in the House and the Senate, uh, in New York, in the Assembly and the Senate, to make it licensing. For example, when you go to a nail salon, you see a license of somebody who's licensed to do nails. Very soon, you'll be able to see a person who's licensed to be able to do laser hair removal, And that's what we've been working on uh, for quite a few years.
0: Wow. Um, Can I ask why you feel that that is so important to have that level there and have that licensing?
1: Well, I think it is important to uh, be able to have the experience and have a certification. I would not go to a nail salon uh, and have somebody cut my cuticles, um, if I don't know that they're trained or certified. So I think that's very important with any type of, uh, any type of procedure, including laser hair removal, that you should be able to know and feel comfortable that the place you go to is able to perform laser hair removal in a safe way.
0: Honestly, it kind of, and now that I'm thinking about it, it does surprise me that, um, it's not regulated in that way at this point I would you know I would think that that would have already you know that would already that measure would already be in place, but you know it obviously isn't. Um, so it's it's a worthy endeavor that you guys are uh, you know pushing for this. So in the future, hypothetically, if this happens, what sort of a, you know, certification process would there be like, would somebody have to take a class? Would they have to pass a test? You know, I'm just curious about what that might look like.
1: Again, very good questions. They are in development. (laughs) However, what we're looking to do is have New York State licensed estheticians who have a minimum of 600 hours of training to get a course of between 30 and 40 hours Uh, at a facility sanctioned by the Department of State Division of Licensing so that he can get the certification, pass an exam, and have a laser hair removal practitioner license.
0: I want to ask you about these at-home laser hair removal devices. Have you seen these?
1: Yes. um, Unfortunately, I don't believe in them. Uh, I think they are... uh, Uh, that first of all they are underpowered units and because they're underpowered units uh they scatter light uh in a way that in my opinion do not give you permanence so uh i would i do not advocate them
0: okay i i figured that might be the case and i (laughs) i will also say i have uh when I saw these pop up and I even got a question about it, you know, are these legit? Um, my immediate reaction was like, Oh, I feel like you should probably go to professional for these. This seems like (laughs) this is a a professional's job to do laser hair removal. It doesn't seem like we need at home devices to do that. (laughs) I agree. Well, listen, I, I want to ask you, uh, you know, this last part that I always talk about is how, how you take care of yourself. Um, and you know typically i'll i'll have you know various dermatologists hairstylists they'll walk through their hair routines or their skin care routines you're a little bit of a special case but <laughs> you know i do want to know how you know how you take care of yourself on a day-to-day basis this could be skin care this could just be you know how you wake up in the morning and have coffee or, you know, because I'm a firm believer that it's all connected and, you know, how we take care of ourselves is all connected. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you take care of yourself?
1: Well, I agree. I think it's very important to for a person to take care of their mental health, uh, mental well-being, their physical well-being. So basically, I get up in the morning. Um, I have a certain regimen. I use clé de peau on my face. Yes, uh, I take that from my wife, to be honest with you, and I use Pledepo, uh, it's a facial wash. Uh, it really makes the skin smooth, and it, uh, it's something that I, I, I like to use. I do have my coffee. Uh, I, w- I walk to work seven days a week, back and forth. It's half an hour each way. So there's one hour of walking. I think brisk walking is very good for the body and for the mind. Uh, Regarding my mental health, uh, it is challenging at times working seven days a week. But uh, the way I relax is every evening I watch a recap of sporting events. Uh, I like to watch sports. I I love uh, to watch uh, European soccer, Uh, love basketball, football. So that really watching that does help me. Uh, Regarding eating. Uh, nutrition, in the morning, I love oatmeal. That gives me energy in the morning. So I like to have oatmeal and that's my daily routine. Uh, Sleeping, uh, I find that sleeping between six and a half to seven and a half hours for me, ideally seven hours, is something that works for me. I cannot stay in bed for too long. So I'm up at 6.37, which means I go to bed at between 11 and 12pm midnight. Uh, and that would be my routine to keep my energy levels throughout the day.
0: Um, I am also a big advocate for walking to work if you are able. I walk to work and it's about 30-40 minutes both ways. And it's just such a game changer to be able to have, you know, that fresh air in the morning and have that time to yourself. I, I love it. I I am lucky enough that I live close enough to where I work that I can do it. I know not everybody is able to do that, but I just, I find it to be so, such a pleasure. I agree with you very much on that one.
1: (laughs) Yes, I agree as well.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, before I let you go, is there anything that you want to tell our listeners at home, you know, uh, about laser hair removal um, before they go down this journey? Is there anything that we left out?
1: Well, Uh, There are different modalities of uh, getting rid of hair. Shaving is a good modality, but it's temporary. Waxing uh, leaves marks sometimes, leaves pigmentation. Again, it's not permanent. Laser hair removal uh, done properly with the proper settings and proper devices do offer truly permanent hair reduction, and it is a game changer. So I would suggest everybody to try, start with a small area, uh, experience it, and uh, it is addictive.
0: All right, well, thank you so much for joining me today. This was so interesting, and I feel better informed for having listened to you and chatting with you, and I'll I'll have to make my way over and uh, maybe get one of these sessions up and going. (laughs)
1: Look forward to it, and thank you very much for today, and you have a very good day.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For more beauty content from the team at MindBuddyGreen, you can always read along with our content at mindbuddygreen.com. Follow us on social media. And of course, tune in to next week's episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to rate and review us. And if you ever want to reach out with questions or insights or thoughts, you can find me on Instagram at alex underscore Blair underscore. Thanks so much for your time.